Our scripture lesson today is found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount, which is a body of teaching that is uh, believed to have been delivered by Jesus on a sloping hillside that oversees the Sea of Galilee. And I've been there four times over the years, over the last 20 years. And um, it's always pretty amazing to uh, imagine in your own heart and mind what it must have been like to hear Jesus' voice booming off the hillside down to the hundreds if not thousands of people below. But this is what he says about the issue of anxiety and worry. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself." Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is the word of God for the people of God. God. You may be seated. Come, Holy Spirit, come and speak to our hearts today, our anxious hearts, our troubled hearts, our divided hearts. We need a clear word from God today. So come and help us to understand these words of Jesus, to apply them to our lives and to make the changes that are needed for us to live lives that that are more peaceful and less anxious. In this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it occurred to me this week as I was working uh, on this message that if there were a support group for anxiety, like Anxious Anonymous, I would probably be a member. I have been in denial, I think, about my own anxious tendencies uh, for a long time. And when I preached on this sermon five years ago, I found the sermon that was on worry and I read through it and I told you at that time that I didn't struggle with anxiety very often. Well, I wasn't aware of it, but I wasn't telling the truth. Uh, The fact is, I am a fairly anxious uh, person. When I was at uh, annual conference a few years ago, I found myself sitting behind the senior pastor of one of the largest United Methodist churches in Kentucky Methodism. And 
uh, I had gone to him uh, a couple of times for some advice, some counsel, while we were moving through our capital fundraising campaign and ready to start construction for the expansion of our facilities. And he had been very helpful. Wise guy, he's, he's been through the very same thing, except on a much larger scale than we were doing it. And so I made an appointment to see him. And so he saw me sitting behind him and he asked me, he says, well, Greg, how are things going? And I told him that the building project was done and it looked great. But then I admitted to him that I continue to have worry about the, the church's finances, about our money, about our ability to pay the bills and to meet the challenges of the, the capital fundraising campaign, etc. I still worry about that. Um, I can't seem to help myself. And then he said something like this. He said, you have kind of an anxious personality, don't you, Greg? And it made me mad. <laughs> I immediately felt defensive and I thought to myself, no, I'm not, I don't have an anxious personality. But in reality, I knew later that he was right. Now I asked last week how many of you struggle with anxiety, and a lot of hands went up at 8.30 and at 11 o'clock. I'm not going to ask you to do it now, since the sermon is here, but I expect that quite a few of us have wrestled with this issue uh, in our lives. Some of us chronically, as Charlie pointed out, some of us have a degree in anxiety. Anxiety and worry are two words in English that describe the same reality in the New Testament. In the Greek language, which the, the New Testament was written in, there is a word and its variations that is translated anxious. And it's also translated worry. Matthew 6.25 in some versions says, Do not worry about your life. And here in the English Standard Version that I read this morning, it says, Do not be anxious about your life. And the Greek word, I love this, it literally means to go to pieces. Because the anxious person is being pulled in so many different directions. And that is a really powerful image for this issue of worry and anxiety, isn't it? Some of us know firsthand what that's like. One of my favorite stories in Scripture that's been dear to me for decades. I remember when I first discovered it in Bible college. It's out of Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. And it records the visit of Jesus to the home of his good friends, Martha and Mary, who happened to be sisters. When he arrived at the home and settled into the family room, Mary, the more contemplative one, was sitting at his feet, just soaking up every word he had to share. But Martha was slaving away in the kitchen and getting more frustrated by the minute. She eventually comes to Jesus and she accuses him of not caring about her. Uh, she undoubtedly sees her sister as, as a lazy bone. And Jesus says to her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but only one thing is necessary, and your sister has chosen that one thing. She has her priorities in order. Martha had, had gone to pieces 
because she is being pulled in so many different directions by, by so many responsibilities, by her anxiety. But, but this word can also be understand, understood in a very positive way. In 2 Corinthians eleven twenty eight, 28, Paul says, I am under daily pressure because of my concern for all the churches. But that same verse is translated in other versions of the Bible as I have daily pressures because of my anxieties for all the churches. So I wonder which one it is. <laughs> is Paul concerned, appropriately concerned about his churches, wants them to flourish, to do well, or is he wringing his hands over his churches? Is he worried about them? Is he anxious about them? Paul tells the Philippians that he hopes to send Timothy to them because, quote, I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. Philippians 2.20. Now, D.A. Carson has written a commentary on the Sermon on the Mount, and I love what he says here. He says, there is a sense in which worry and anxiety are not only good, but, but their absence is, biblically speaking, irresponsible. There is also a sense in which worry is not only evil, but its presence signifies unbelief and disobedience. Now, holding these two things in tension is hard, and often it's the context of a particular verse that determines the way in which translators approach it. But the bottom line here for you to understand is that not all anxiety, all concern is bad. In fact, a certain amount of it motivates us in positive ways to get things done. That's why we get up in the morning. We know because of anxiety that if we lay out of work too many times, we'll get fired, right? We understand certain things must be done and there's, a, there's concern, a little bit of anxious care over people and circumstances that motivates us in, in positive ways. But I want to spend the rest of the time this morning talking about uh, anxiety as a very negative force that robs us of joy and presents, prevents us from experiencing God's peace. After the first service, one of our younger members who was present she shook my hand and then she kind of leaned over on me a little bit and she said, I am a walking anxiety attack every single day. I needed to be here this morning. And there were others who had a similar kind of reaction, although not quite as dramatic. Um, the Bible says a lot about anxiety because it is normal human behavior. Say that with me. Normal human behavior like depression, worry, and anxiety are natural emotional responses of, of living in a broken, hurting world, an uncertain world. In fact, medical science has, has shown that the human body is hardwired by God, I believe, by our Creator, to react to situations of stress and danger with anxiety. It actually triggers uh, chemicals, hormones in our body that help us to respond quickly and energetically and defensively to things that, that are a threat to us. And yet too much anxiety, please hear me out now, this is important, 
too much anxiety can harm our health. Ancient biblical wisdom and modern medicine both agree that too much stress, anxiety, and worry can ruin you. It can hurt your relationship with God and it can cause a wide variety of ailments. Heart disease, high blood pressure, it can lead to cancer, uh, it can cause relational problems. Nobody wants to be, be married to or hooked up with somebody that is constantly worried and anxious. And in, in my research for this message this week, I was so troubled by the indicators that, that are showing rising anxiety in the United States of America. It's just undeniable. We live in one of the most prosperous and secure nations on the face of the earth, but we're also one of the most anxious nations in the world. For example, the top five mental health challenges that are facing students today are depression, anxiety, suicide, eating disorders, and addiction. And there are lots of students in high school and college that are facing these things. The National Institute for Health says that, that anxiety is now the most common mental health disorder affecting children, teens, and adults. The number one mental health concern is anxiety, some form of anxiety disorders. They are the most common form of mental illness in the United States, with 18% of the population every year saying that they struggle significantly with anxiety. That's 40 million people. 40 million. 39% of U.S. adults claim to be more anxious in 2018 than in 2017. I wonder what's up with that. And anxiety disorders are highly treatable, but only about a third of those who are suffering some form of anxiety actually seek out help from a doctor, from a therapist, a counselor, from a pastor, from, from family or friends. People with an anxiety disorder are three to five times more likely to go to the doctor they are six times more likely to be hospitalized than those who do not suffer from an anxiety disorder. So it's a major public health issue. And, and because it's the root cause of many illnesses, some of what ails us physically is centered in our lives emotionally and mentally and spiritually. Anxiety disorders develop the experts say, from a complex set of risk factors that include genetics, brain chemistry, personality, and life events. And 50% of people who suffer from anxiety also suffer from depression, which we'll talk about uh, as well as suicide next week in, in my message. So, if you're feeling your anxiety level rising, take a deep breath, okay? There's more to come. Anxiety does seem to be programmed in human DNA. Uh, we fret and worry over everything, including things that, that turn out to be nothing at all. And the reason that's so is that we seem to be made that way. Um, so in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus addresses an issue that, that is 
ancient yet modern. Since the very beginning, God's children have struggled with anxiety. And he directs his teaching towards those, this is so important, towards those who are interested in answering the call to discipleship. Not everybody will get what he says, and and very few apparently actually follow him, but he's talking about a radical lifestyle. It's really important to note here that there may have been a few wealthy people in the crowd there on that slope, that sloping hill uh, on the Sea of Galilee, but the fact is most of Jesus' hearers were poor. Jesus is mostly speaking to a people that were oppressed. They were living under the heavy hand of Roman occupation. Most will not live past 35. Just think about that. That was the average life expectancy in the first century. How many of you are beyond age 35? It's overwhelming. Yeah, it's most of us. Most of the people hearing Jesus that day were eking out a living day by day with no assurance of like a government safety net. There was no social security, no food stamps, no Medicare. And most had very few resources. On a day-to-day basis, it was an actual worry, um, a cause of anxiety to think about what you were going to feed your family tomorrow because you barely had enough to feed them today. Now, it just occurred to me this week that this seems a bit cruel and insensitive for Jesus to be talking to a crowd of poor people who are barely getting by and to tell them seven times, seven times here, don't be anxious. That just doesn't seem right, does it? And why is he, why is he trying to drive this point home so, so powerfully? So in your face like, it's because he wants these people to understand that life is not about this world and even the basic necessities of this world. That we live for something that is eternal. God will take care of us. We are his children. But what is ultimately important is that we seek his kingdom first. And then all these things will come together. So worrying about food and clothing doesn't mean they don't matter. They are part of the necessities of life. But what is forbidden here is an obsession over things that are temporal. That are temporal, not eternal. And he uses Solomon as an example. Talks about how the creation itself, a field of flowers, is more glorious than all the wealth and all the power and all the wives and all the horses that King Solomon had, who, by the way, was never happy or satisfied, no matter how rich or how many women he had by his side. That did not satisfy. Uh, Ecclesiastes is clear. Vanities of vanities. Uh, It doesn't matter how much you possess of the world's goods. Life is not about this world. In fact, Jesus says in verse 33... Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So in this second week in this series, I'm just asking you point blank, do you need to be rescued from anxiety? Do you? 
And if so, where do you start? Now, I want to point out something to you that you know, probably, if you've been in church much. And that is the word shalom is the Hebrew for peace. And peace is not just the absence of conflict, though certainly that applies. Peace in, in the Hebrew word shalom means safe in mind and in your body and in your relationships. It speaks of an inner completeness, a type of wholeness and tranquility that, that influences, invades, if you will, every aspect of your life. Shalom is a gift of God to be received, but you know, as it is with all of God's gifts, pretty much in the scripture, there's a human response that opens the door to that gift, right? So we need to do certain things in terms of our own self-care and, and our own response to the grace of God, which offers us his peace. And that's where I want to wrap this up this morning. And, and there are so many areas we could look at, but I'm going to look at just three. And the first one is physically. What can we do to feel less anxious? Well, first of all, when you're feeling anxious, stop and take several deep breaths. I've only had one discernible anxiety or panic attack in my life, to my knowledge. And it happened out here on the parking lot a couple of years ago. And I can't explain it. There was a lot going on in my life personally, but I pulled up into my parking place and I could not get out of the car. I just was in a panic. I was feeling anxious. Uh, I think I called Connie. I, I, I got in touch with a friend of mine who's a therapist, and I asked for his advice, and he said, Greg, when this happens to you, you need to stop and take several deep breaths. And I thought, seriously, I just need to breathe better? That's a solution? But you know what? It actually helps. It helps to stop and center yourself in Christ and to breathe slowly, to take deep breaths. It's also important to get enough sleep, to stay active, um, to spend time outdoors. You know, the research is overwhelming. It is overwhelming that time outdoors, a walk in the woods, a hike on a trail somewhere is good for your mental health. It's good for your emotional health. Most Americans are spending their entire lives indoors. And a lot of our children are spending their time indoors, rarely if ever going outside. Pare down your schedule, uh, overcommitment. Uh, if it's ever going to change, starts with you. Starts with me. We have to make the choices to limit how much of ourselves we are willing to give away to others and to the demands that are placed on our lives. Uh, acknowledge your limitations. Slow down and keep Sabbath. Uh, even the Creator, even the Creator rested on the seventh day. And if God saw, saw fit to rest after six days of work, shouldn't you? Absolutely. Secondly, therapeutically, talk to a caring friend. We're not talking about somebody that says that you're, they're your friend, but as soon as you start telling them about your troubles, they, they start telling you about theirs. We've all got a friend like that, don't we? We can barely get, get it out, and they're saying, oh yeah, well, you, you know what I'm going through? 
we're talking about somebody with some empathy that's willing to listen and to carry some of your, your anxiety in, in, in their life and in their prayers for you and in their love for you. Seek out one of your pastors or perhaps a, a counselor. I had someone, had in fact, two someones that called me this week. They were very anxious. And in both cases, I referred them to a counselor who I hope these individuals will see so that they can deal with their anxiety more effectively. I, I want to encourage you to use caution when relying upon prescription medications for anxiety. There are some antidepressants that are being used for anxiety that are helpful, but, but the, the drugs that target anxiety directly, drugs like Xanax and Ativan, are highly addictive if they're misused. And I read some, some very disturbing trends. We, we seem to be moving away from, you know, oxycodone and, and the abuse of a lot of those, those scripts, been in the news a lot, to what they're calling benzos, these anti-anxiety drugs, which actually are addictive and lethal when overdosed. So use caution. They're... They're a godsend for many people. Some people definitely need them, but don't overuse them and certainly don't abuse them. And then finally, spiritually, and this is where uh, we have this unique role, I think, to the culture and within the church, and that is to talk about the spiritual life. There's so many things that could be said here, but I've just found in my own life committing to memory a few Bible verses on knowing God's peace that deal with worry and anxiety can be very, very helpful. Um, limit your intake of all media. I've just, I really cut back on how much news I watch every week. Uh, because I, I found that the more I watched, the more anxious I became, the more negative I was becoming in my attitude and outlook. Uh, it doesn't matter what your, your politics are. It's, it's all... Uh, sensationalized and exaggerated and it's all designed to stir up people that are watching and that creates anxiety limit your intake of social media um, and and focus on things like the Word of God spend time talking to God when you're anxious and confess your lack of trust in God because worry and anxiety fundamentally or a failure, a failure on the part of, of disciples to have faith in Jesus' ability to take care of us. Confess your need for Jesus' forgiveness. This Jesus' prayer that we talked about last week. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. And I've added a word here, an anxious sinner. Pray that prayer. Pray it often, especially when you find yourself being sucked into anxiety and, and worry. Over the past 12 years, this church has been, been the source of many anxieties for me. Do you believe that? Yeah. Yes, it surely has. But, and you all have had a chance to be, you know, in that. <laughs> You're part of my anxiety load. But God has taught me through my struggles, as well as in our successes, that he is more than enough, even for anxiety. Amen? That wasn't very enthusiastic. I mean, he will take care of me. 
He will take care of you. And he will take care of this church. He has taken care of this church for 202 years. It's not going to stop come June 2020, despite what some of you think. Uh, he loves us. He cares about us. He is our Heavenly Father, and he offers us his shalom. But are we looking for it? Are we open to it? Are we receiving it with the attitude of a heart and mind, an anxious heart and mind that is eager to have his peace? Now, as Jeremy prepares to lead us in our closing song, I, I want to lead us in some directed prayer. And I want you to just quiet your heart before the Holy Spirit because I know that there are, there are quite a few people here this morning that are feeling anxious. And I want you to listen to God's Word and pray for the Holy Spirit's discernment and leading in your life as to how you will respond to the anxiety and, and the worry of your life in this very day, in this coming week. Remember what Jesus asked. Who among you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the length of your life? Jesus said, don't be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. First Peter 5 says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him. Because He cares for you. In Isaiah 41.10 Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on us, anxious sinners. Amen.